This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. Welcome back to The Honorable Mention, a regular feature of the CJN Daily Podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, December the 13th, 2022. This is our fifth episode of Honorable Mention, where we pay tribute to the lives and stories of Jewish community leaders who have passed away recently. But before we welcome back retired CJN reporter and obituary writer Ron Silag to share some thoughts and insights about our featured Canadians, we wanted to send sincere condolences out to the family and friends of Jim Carr. The former Manitoba politician and former cabinet minister in the Trudeau government died Monday at the age of 71. He'd been diagnosed with cancer right after he was re-elected in the 2019 election, but had continued serving in government. We have a full write-up on his life on the CJN's website. On today's show, we look at two men whose buildings changed the face of urban Canada and the world, plus an Olympic basketball star, a giant in the world of fundraising for Ben-Gurion University of the Negev, and one of the CJN Zone. As always, I'm joined by Ron Silag. Good to have you back. It's always good to be with you, Ellen. All right, so now we're going to go on to our main topic, which is, of course, the honorable mention, the men and women whose voices we lost in the last few months from the Canadian Jewish community. And we'll start with the two men who, if you go through Southern Ontario and, and Toronto, you will see evidence of their career buildings and their architectural designs for for Canada's uh, biggest cities. And so we'll start with John Daniels and Jack Diamond. Correct. Uh, the two Jacks, um, John Daniels was sometimes known as Jack. They played important roles in building Toronto. They died a few days of each other in October. Um, they were both Jewish immigrants. They were both trained architects, which was interesting because it was a field in which there were very few Jews. Jack Diamond attained really international stature. John Daniels was more of a builder. Uh, he was a success in real estate, but they were both trained architects. Diamond's numerous achievements were he was known for the Four Seasons Center for the Performing Arts, in, in design, I mean, in architecture. Uh, Chorus Key, St. Michael's Hospital, and Holy Blossom Temple. He also designed uh, Montreal's Maisonneuve Symphonique, University of British Columbia's Medical School. He also designed Israel's Foreign Ministry Building and Jerusalem's very famous City Hall. So that's his work, uh, Ballet Hall and Opera in St. Petersburg. And one of his last projects was um, the Holocaust Memorial in London, England, uh, which is near Parliament. I want to play this clip for you. It's Jack Diamond speaking to a conference a couple of years ago about what makes a city work besides his buildings. We used our buildings in aggregate form to form wonderful streets. We have a wonderful park system. I remember it being considered... A neighborhood in Toronto was deficient if you didn't have a park or parkette within uh, a quarter of a mile of every house. That's what makes the great city. And all of the services, the good education systems, the security, the wonderful libraries, and speaking against uh, uh, the iconic architects, in fact, it's not the occasional bauble. I mean, it's not the Eiffel Tower that makes Paris wonderful. John Daniels notably built the Eaton Center, TD Centre and um, 
Daniels was known, uh, num- number one, he was the CEO of Cadillac Fairview, so that's something. He left Cadillac Those are Fairview. all big models as well. So yeah, lots of models. real estate, lots of real estate, lots of commercial real estate. Uh, but he left Cadillac Fairview in 1983 to start the Daniels Corporation, which went on to build residential projects, mostly in Aaron Mills. So that whole area was built up by him. Uh, but Daniels was also known as a, a very generous philanthropist, giving about $200 million total. Education causes, healthcare, cultural, and uh, one of his earliest interests was associated Hebrew schools, Hebrew day schools. Apparently his father taught there. I didn't know that. They were city builders, and they were um, real, very well regarded in their fields and very well known. Were they part of the sort of generation who came to Toronto from Europe in the 50s at all, from Holocaust roots? Well, they were both Jewish immigrants and had a family history of persecution. Joe Diamond, also known as Jack Diamond, he was uh, born in South Africa, but into a family from Lithuania. His grandfather was actually murdered in a pogrom in 1917. Daniels, um, who was 96, he left Poland in 1939, just under the wire, at the age of 12, uh, having fled uh, looming Nazism, yes. Um, the Daniels Corporation was very involved in redevelopment, the redevelopment of Regent Park, which was a very uh, disadvantaged, poor area of the city of Toronto, lots of crime, and they made it into a market uh, rent, a rental area for you know regular rent as well as subsidized rent. So you kind of mix the community between well-off people and people who are low income to try to renovate the area, give them... Uh, a better chance in life. And also they, they made the Daniel Spectrum, which was a beautiful community center. There's a pool. It's a whole beautiful development in one of the more seedy parts of the city. And that is still ongoing. Here's a clip of John Daniel speaking in 2011 at the U of T where he was receiving an honorary doctorate. More than anything, I was anxious to see the ideas that danced in my mind's eye transfer first to the drafting table and then to bricks and mortar. In fact, during my so-called summer vacations, I had already begun building one house at a time so that I could earn tuition for the following year. I was already aware of the responsibility I would have to every person who would call home an apartment or a house of my design. And now turning from builders to basketball, We have a sports figure, Murray Waxman from Montreal, who passed away. I just need to tell our listeners that, uh, full disclosure, I grew up with his daughter, Louisa, who was in my class at Tomatora and Herzliya High School in Montreal in St. Laurent. And I knew her father was tall and a very nice man, but I never knew until most recently after his obituary came out that he was a real big uh, Olympic basketball star right after the Second World War and had an illustrious career. So let's pick up the story with Murray Waxman. Yeah, he was an early hoop, Jewish hoop star in Montreal, started with the uh, YMHA, the Young Men Hebrew Association of Montreal, beginning after World War II. And his team won the Eastern Canadian Championships in 1948. Um, that led to several of the team's members, including Mr. Waxman, to be chosen to represent the country at that year's London Olympics. Uh, Canada placed ninth overall, which is a very respectable showing. Uh, in 1950, he had an even greater year, it seems, when his team defeated the University of Manitoba Bisons to become the first Canadian national basketball championships from Quebec. And it was that same year he was selected to represent Canada at the Maccabea Games. 
Uh, and later, he became a very well-known basketball coach at the Y. Um, on the 48 Olympic team, he played guard. And so uh, he was a very well-known but well-loved man because his love of sports sort of spilled over into his love of life, and he created many lifelong friendships. Uh, he continued coaching, as I said. He became a, a governor, I think, at the Y. Also an avid tennis player at the Y. And so a very all-around all honorable mention here. Here's Marie Waxman from a documentary about the 1948 Olympic team and what it meant to him. I thought the Olympics at that time uh, was uh, the, uh, the most beautiful time of my life. Thinking like a Jewish boy coming from a small city like Montreal and be able to walk around the stadium and to see the king and queen. Yeah. I thought that was the most exciting yeah. part of my life. Yeah. And it still is today. And now we should talk about the loss of one of our own, Cynthia Gasner. Cynthia was a stalwart of the CJN. I just want to mention one small anecdote before you take it away, is that I met Cynthia only because when my late grandfather, Justice Abraham Leaf, was profiled in the CJN when he turned 100 and was going to University of Toronto and taking courses, he was a judge, the first Jewish uh, judge in the uh, Ontario Court, uh, Superior Court. Uh, she profiled him. And now here I am working for the CJN. So it's a very nice circle. It's hard to, it's hard to know where to begin with Cynthia. She was everywhere all at once, it seemed. In her heyday, she was one of those people, we all meet them once in a while. We have the privilege of meeting them, where she knows everybody. She knew everybody. She knew pretty much everybody in the Jewish community. And it seemed that everybody knew her. I I was at a, a function once with her, and she stood still when everyone simply came up to her to say hello, and she gave everyone a, a kiss and a handshake. And it was amazing how, you know, how she got around. She was a, a longtime freelancer for the CJN. She also hosted, she began hosting a Jewish television show in the 1970s. Um, but she was mainly the public face of CORE, the Kashrut Council of Canada in the early days. She was non, also volunteered on many boards and committees, uh, namely um, Baycrest, where she became the first woman to be on the executive of Baycrest. Uh, she went on to become vice president for three terms. Uh, she was also very closely associated with the Canadian Shari Tzedek Hospital Foundation. Um, did a lot of PR for these groups, as I said, was a, a longtime freelancer for the CJN. And when I first arrived at the CJN, she has she had already, you know, was firmly ensconced there. What she was really was a den mother to all the new young reporters. And she would sit with them and coach them and hold their hands and make sure everything was going to be okay. So a big loss to the community. Cynthia Gasner is in this clip I want to play for you. She was interviewed by a Toronto synagogue recently about why she turned away from her parents' socialist upbringings and embraced Judaism from the Orthodox perspective. So my parents brought me up in a leftist home. And for some reason, which I still do not know, maybe it was my grandmother, something influenced me and said, you don't want this. I did not want to go to Camp Nivelt. I did not want to go to their shula. I said to them, if you don't send me to learn Hebrew, and this was before the state of Israel was uh, at all, they hadn't even come to think in the, in the 1930s, 40s. Uh, they were talking about it, but it wasn't yet established. Uh, I said, if you don't send me to Hebrew school, I will not go anywhere. 
And our condolences go out to her son. Robert lives in Israel. We've profiled him during the war in Gaza. A rocket hit his neighbor's house right. and he ran in to help rescue the family and uh, literally carried them out, carried yeah. out the children. I should also, yeah, I should also say that even before, in the, going back to the 1950s, she worked for the Y. She was sisterhood president at Chari Tefillah, um, very orthodox synagogue in Toronto, served on the executive of the National Council of Jewish Women. Wow. And uh, when she wrote news releases for the National Council of Jewish Women, that's how she sort of came to the attention of the CJN's founder. And this is really going back to Meyer Nuremberger, and uh, who founded the CJN in 1960 and uh, through the 60s. And she began writing uh, for the paper at his invitation. The television show was called Chai, and it was on CFMT. A big loss as well to the community. And our condolences go out to her family. We have to do some quick mentions because uh, we're running out of time today, but we should also definitely mention Mark Mendelssohn, former head of the Canadian Friends of Ben-Gurion University out of Montreal, died suddenly at the age of 73. A big personality, big foodie, effective fundraiser, and uh, not just for Ben-Gurion. And if you want to know more about uh, Mark, of course, and some of the other people that we've talked about, go to our website, thecjn.ca. You'll see Janice Arnold's uh, beautiful obituary about Mark Mendelssohn. Also, Brian Milner, 74 years old, died in November after surgery. Who was he? Uh, Brian was a very well-regarded journalist at the Globe and Mail. He was a reporter, an editor, a columnist. Mainly, he was known as an economics writer, finance writer, um, served as New York correspondent, covered Wall Street, uh, came back to write for a report on business, um, an old-time newspaper man uh, who didn't suffer fools too gladly and wrote extremely well. He covered uh, banks and the auto industry and ghost wrote books. One was called The Hidden Establishment. It was a bestseller. Um, and he was for a while associate managing editor of The Globe and Mail. And so an all-round uh, all renaissance man at The Globe and Mail will be missed. All right. We should also point out to our audience, in case you haven't uh, been keeping track of the calendar, it's the fifth anniversary this week of the unsolved murders of Barry and Honey Sherman, Toronto philanthropists found dead in their home in December of 2017. There are now, Ron, two rewards out this week. We heard from one of their children, Jonathan, who's posted a uh, $25 million reward leading towards the finding of uh, who did it. His daughter, their daughter, Alex, uh, has a $10 million reward out as well. So we'll be keeping our eyes open for any more developments. Look, the, the, the tragedy for the Sherman, I think Sherman's continues. Uh, because there's just no closure until we find out what happened. Um, personally, I'm I'm pessimistic. I, I don't think this is going to lead to any kind of a conclusion. This will just be a cold case. And uh, we, we, we're learning about shortcomings of the police, one after the other, uh, how I believe the last one was that the uh, security cameras were not checked at the airport that day, and a bunch of other things that have gone on over the over the years that haven't, haven't exactly shown a, a flattering light on the police. So who knows, though, there might be a breakthrough. Somebody might come forward, somebody might break, but uh, I don't hold out much hope. Well, Ron, thanks as always for bringing this and all the other stories to our listeners about important people, honorable mention, and how they contributed pleasure. to what Jewish Canada sounds like. Pleasure and happy Hanukkah to everyone. 
And we'll have, by the way, speaking of Hanukkah, we'll have a printable collection of some of this year's this year's obituaries in the print magazine, the CJN's new print magazine. It's coming out for Hanukkah. And don't forget, drop into the CJN's magazine launch Hanukkah party on Thursday. It's at 7.30 at the Prosserman JCC on the Honey and Barry Sherman campus at Bathurst, north of Shepherd. It's in Toronto. There'll be Gelt. There'll be refreshments. There'll be your favorite CJN personalities. Ron and I'll be there. We'll be doing a be part of our studio audience as we do some live tapings for our podcast. You have to RSVP to get in on the guest list for security reasons. So please email me at ebessner at the cjn.ca. Hope to see you then. That's it for the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Thanks for listening. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.